Hi, welcome to the Iron Show. It's your boy Johnny, and I am down here with my dear, dear friend Matthew Miller. Matthew Miller is such a genius, and I have so many questions. But Matthew, I would like to ask you one question now. May I ask you a question? Yes, Johnny, go right ahead. What's up? All right. Welcome to the Iron Show. It's Johnny. <laughs> we are down here. We are down here with Matthew Miller. God, it is so such an honor to be here with you, Matt. And I love you, man. He's an old friend of mine. We hung out. We did a lot of shows together. And uh, can I ask Matthew? Did you did you did you give us a what's up or not? All right, Johnny. Come on, ready? I'll, I'll, I'll give you. Are you ready? Yes. One, two, three. What's up? All right. Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> hey, I would like to. Uh, I know Matthew Miller, and I would like to tell. His story. Let's give you some background. And, uh, you know, uh, the guests that I have on the Iron Show, a lot of times, I know a lot about them. So, because I dig in and I listen and I research them. And I like to tell their story instead of them telling their story. So, what I'm going to have you do, Matt, is uh, I'm going to have you jump in uh, and correct me if I'm wrong as I tell the story. Does that sound like a deal? That is a deal, man. That's a deal straight from the Iron Show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Matthew Miller. Matthew Miller was was born in the 60s, right? In the 70s. In the 70s, early 70s, into a cloud of witnesses. He was born into an incredibly uh, strong Christian environment, a family that who's literally was saints of the most high God. And they brought him up, as the Bible says, in the way that he should go. Matthew Miller uh, basically uh, accepted Jesus uh, as soon as he was able to talk at a very young age. And uh, he, uh, the, his, his upbringing was um, very serious. He was not allowed to watch TV. Uh, he was only really allowed, as far as media goes, he was allowed to read the Bible, the dictionary, and the encyclopedia. And uh, he uh, learned, the, learned the scriptures forwards and backwards at a very early age. In fact, he had, he had translated the entire Bible in handwriting uh, by the age of about 12 or 13, am I right? That's correct, by the time I was 12. Yes. And uh, ever since then, he has grown in his faith. He's grown in his knowledge. He is a, uh, he's, he's an ex-military man. He is not somebody you would want to mess with. He's a tough guy. Uh, and uh, he is uh, really a, actually a genius. I would almost call you a savant just because, not like an idiot savant, but a savant who has, had, has a very special gift and insight above most people. 
And uh, you think on levels much higher than most of us. And uh, because of that, I wanted to drag you in here and try to uh, bring things down to the layman's level. Uh, you have a lot of, I don't know what you would call them, uh, theories, thoughts, uh, contentions uh, that are very advanced, very deep, very deep studies into the Word of God. And uh, I would just, li- I don't know, what, one thing I'd like to talk about, you know, is uh, I'd like to talk about Isaiah 24 and sure. your uh, ideas, thoughts, predictions, uh, contentions about um you know the earth you know uh as it as it's going through space and what's going to happen to it and dig deep into maybe Isaiah 24 is something that you're very you're very uh uh advanced and uh well spoken well well versed in right well uh sure that's that's one chapter that everybody uh likes me to talk about um i talk about it a lot because inside of that uh, scripture right there is just about everything you need to know about day one once the tribulation trigger has been tripped. Uh, inside of it, uh, it gives a description that's almost identical uh, to what you find for the, uh, the great uh, earthquake in Revelation, the sixth chapter. Uh, they are synonymous uh, one with the other. Um, And God has given us these two chapters so that we understand in our minds the rest of the prophetic scriptures. You see, because if you don't understand this day, you cannot uh, come to grips uh, with Hosea, Jeremiah, with Ezekiel, all the many things that are talked about this particular day and the dynamics of what's going to happen after that day, especially – um, this supernatural occurrence that when the event happens, you need to understand, Johnny, that when we go back to the days of Noah physically, it's going to have detrimental ramifications upon your physique, um, your your mental capacity to know, so to speak. So... Uh, you said physique. Well, do you think I will be finally big enough to kick your butt? It is quite possible, however <laughs> not probable, that? but it will be possible at that point in time, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I would like to do is first I would like to um, spin off some of my theories because, you know, Johnny, Johnny's just a host of the Iron Show, and I'm not much good for anything, but what's up? But uh, – you know, uh, Johnny thinks a lot, does a lot of research, you know, and I used to be a genius. I was a certified member of Mensa, and uh, I had an IQ pushing way up there into the 150s, 160s, and uh, lived my the first 31 years of my life as a genius. And uh, I, ha- I almost died. I got the chicken pox at age 31, and after age 30, the chicken pox is 60% likely to kill you. I had lesions down my throat, in my eyeballs, uh, down my- into my sinuses, all over my body, and um, extreme fever of 106 for a sustained out. period that brain damaged me. Time out. Okay, hit the brakes. The same exact thing happened to me really 
when I was that age, the age you just uttered out of your mouth. 31. I I even had chicken pox up my nose. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, buddy. That's <laughs> – dude, that's a serious ordeal. You know, but thank dude. God for suffering because we, we, we gain something by it. Amen to that. If only we can, uh, uh, you know, liken it to the suffering of Christ and uh, try to embrace that. But with me, I had a sustained fever of 106 for uh, I don't know how many hours, but I came out of it literally brain damaged. And I am no longer a genius. My IQ, I tested down. I'm around 120, 130 now. And uh, sometimes I test myself. I'm hovering around 100. Uh, I literally, I literally had fever brain damage to where I'm just a regular guy now. But the reason I like to listen to Matthew Miller is that he goes off on these advanced theories. And despite my brain damage, I'll have sparks of genius that will flash through my head. And uh, then they'll go away. And I love uh, to listen to Matthew Miller. I love to listen to this advanced stuff because it'll awaken dead things within me that I used to be for for just a half a minute, maybe 20 seconds, at least I get myself back for at least that much time, you know, as I listen to you, Matt. So that's, I don't know, man, that's, that's pretty personal, but that's, you know, that's one of the reasons. Uh, also, you know, Matthew Miller, he's a showman. He gets up there, man, he starts talking about Jesus. He gets awful serious. And, uh, but, you know, I have a lot of thoughts. I've studied quantum physics and stuff, and uh, mm-hmm. to the best of my abilities uh, in my IQ level right now. And there are, when I studied it before, when I was a genius and I could grasp a lot of these things, uh, I have, you know, some background in it. And the more I learn and the more I think, I really believe, uh, and I could be wrong, but this is my, I guess this is my opinion. I've come to believe that. Uh, I've come to believe that matter is um, divisible, and uh, it is made up of uh, atoms are made up of protons and electrons. But now, you, when you go further down from that, the building blocks of protons and electrons, you have quarks, and quarks can really only be described as spirits. Up, down, strange, uh-huh. scary. Muons, leptons, these seem to be indivisible. And I believe that these are the spirit world and that, uh, and that our reality on matter is built on spirit building blocks. We're built out of spirit in a grand dance that is our reality. And uh, I really do believe, you know, for one thing, you know, if you fell from a 200-foot building into the concrete – if it wasn't for the electromagnetic force, you would go right through the concrete. It is a ghost. It is a vapor. There is that much emptiness in that solid, so-called solid concrete. If it wasn't for the electromagnetic force, you'd go right through it, right into the earth. You wouldn't feel a thing, wouldn't hurt you a bit. I really do believe that our physical reality, we are the vapors. We are the specters. And the spirit world is the actual physical reality, not this. Uh, what do you think about that one, Matt? <laughs> What's up? What is up with that? Dude. Well, what Dude you're thoughts. saying um, is not too awfully far from what to be the mechanical truth of the situation. Um, what you're describing is is that the spirit is 
what is referred to commonly as the tie that binds. And being such a thing, you have to understand that what you just said on a mechanical level is precisely the truth of the situation. Um, you, we, we also need to understand this is why there are anomalies within our physique that cannot be explained. Uh, for one being uh, the red blood cell. You can look at it plainly, and it has no nucleus. That's why it looks just like a smoke ring. That smoke ring, mechanically speaking, is a toroidal ring. And you have to understand, Johnny, that though we cannot understand it, it is above our pay grade. Know this to be true. It is said many times in the Bible. The life is in the the blood. That's right, Johnny. The life is in the blood. And if that be true, let's, let's line that up with what you just said. Let Matthew Miller do a commentary on the Johnster. All okay? right. All right. Understand this, everybody. It's this simple. It is not the blood that is the reality. It is the life that is within it. So – Everything that Johnny just said is exactly the truth. That's why you can take Johnny's name and understand this. Johnny. You understand? That's why when you listen to Johnny, it's kind of like going to the first chapter of the book of John and setting upon John's knee even as he wrote it. (laughs) Amen? That's that's going a little far, but (laughs) – But. Uh, you're correct, Johnny. You are right in what you said in more ways than one. Uh, we can take this to uh, not only the atom. You see, you need to understand that though we have an electron, we have a proton, we have a neutron, what is the tie that binds, Johnny? It is charge. Can you put your finger on the charge? Of course not. Of course not. You can't do it. You can't do it. It can't be done physically, but it can be known. And Johnny, I wouldn't suggest you do this, but if you take out the light bulb and stick your finger in there and turn the light switch on, you can experience it, though you cannot put your finger on it. But exactly what you have said holds to be true, and in you saying so, it exemplifies the simple fact that God creates unto himself a new creature. Now, this is why the Bible loudly proclaims that you will be able to stand because he will make you stand. So even though in your mind this was an idea or a theory, as I have just made example of it, because you are a child of the living God, this thing holds true. And believe me, it holds true in ways that a lot of people can't understand. But what you said is exactly correct. There's another uh, contention that I have that's very unpopular, and uh, it kind of goes, it kind of segues into sort of what you were saying, and uh, a lot of people really want to shoot me down on this one, but um, when Jesus told, you know, when Jesus said, marvel not, you must be born again, flesh and blood cannot enter the kingdom of heaven, 
uh, I really, I really do believe in regeneration with the Spirit of God in us, uh, uh, guiding us, guiding our footsteps, ordering our footsteps in the way that we should go, and indwelling in us. But when Jesus said, "Marvel not, you must be born again," I really do believe he was talking about the resurrection body. And as a proof text for that, uh, I, I would cite uh, uh, John 9, where uh, I can't remember the, how exactly how it goes, but um, once we have been born again, uh, we, we are no longer able to sin because uh, the seed of God is within us. And uh, I really think that born again, what he's talking about, obviously we can sin in this incarnation presently in our physical bodies. Even though we're Christians and believe in God, we could stumble in sin. So if it's impossible for us to sin in John 9, that must be the resurrection body. And won't it be wonderful uh, to, uh, to be in that resurrection body where we will no longer have to deal with our earthly flesh, and we won't have to think about our ourselves anymore. You know that's well. That's but. What do you think about that idea? Do you think I'm way off, or Johnny, is it worth something? Johnny, uh, sit down and put your seatbelt on, there, buddy. Okay, I'm uh, I'm strapped in, buddy. Understand this: that everything that Johnny just said is absolutely unequivocably the truth. And if you wish to bash Johnny about it, I suggest you come get in my batter's box. Whoa! Matthew Miller backs me up. That's incredible. This is why you need to understand in your mind there is a whopping big difference between the woman and the bride. Because the bride will be adorned with a new, refashioned, remanufactured, and supercharged body. At the same exact time, both the primus numerous and the primus resurrectorate will also be afforded unto themselves a newly designed superstructure. When that happens, especially the primus resurrectorate, they will be redesigned. Let us just say that we are a longshoreman. And we look out the docks and we see the mighty destroyers go back and forth. And we even see some some torpedo boats. We even see some corvettes go round about. And every once in a while, we're able to see uh, missile cruisers. Make no mistakes about it. What Johnny just said was that at the day in question, the Primus Resurrectorate will be redesigned and recupped to become a super battleship. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Uh, you can like that or not. You can understand it or embarrass yourself. Those oh. stipulations are to are, have are, a new body. Oh wow, that's right. You know, that's right. What a you deal. will to be to be uh, clothed in a whole new spiritual super Superman flesh. That's right. Would you see, be really something. That's something to look forward to. You know, a lot of people are having amen. problems right now, amen. and they think there's nothing to look forward to. Well, I'm here to tell you, buddy. Oh man, you got something to well, look forward to in Christ. Oh, you, you most certainly do. You see, uh, people don't understand that on, on a uh, genetic level, uh, that's why what is known as uh, Jacob's Ladder to the, uh, to the Kabbalist um, need to understand that that's really a rope ladder. Okay, And right now, uh, through the infusion of the Holy Spirit, Johnny, 
what he's done is those the, those little ties that bind the long strand of both sides of that DNA. Um, what he's done right now is he has taken those little rungs that's between there, the little ropes, the small ropes, uh, which you would call the rungs on the ladder, and he has redesigned those for you right now. It is through this machination uh, that you are able to, in your flesh now, you have the right, you also have the responsibility to reject rebellion. Yep, to do good and reject evil. That's right. You can, you can reject to rebel. Okay. Right. Now, you know because now, like no, you said, once you're a slave in Christ, you're no longer a slave to the world. He has freed you from the lust of right. your flesh. He's really. That's. He has given you a better place to go than to turn right. towards the lust of your flesh. That's right. And uh, like you said before, because the two long strands on either side of that rope ladder has not been refashioned, okay, we can still stumble. That means if, uh, if Johnny was to come up and jack slap my wife, I would most to the point rearrange not only his physical but his mental uh, capacity. Okay? I would know suffering. Right, and, and I would not do that on purpose. I would not rebel. It's just that God has put into me safety mechanisms to make sure uh, that his children are protected. So uh, after I did said event, I would, of course, uh, repent of that sin, but that would not be rebellion, Johnny. Um, well, first, I'd, I'd like to say that if you came up and slapped my wife, I don't know if I would actually instantly come at you with fists because, first of all, we would have to decide if she had it coming or not. <laughs> Oh. What is up with that? No, oh, I'm just joking. I'm just trying to be funny. <laughs> this is this is Johnny at full volume, ladies oh, and yeah, gentlemen. Oh yeah, buddy. <laughs> so, so you're 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 exactly right, Johnny. And uh, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord because of these things. Because if it wasn't for these things, uh, we would not have the capacity to with our a mind with our flesh be able to rebel against the act of rebellion, which is sin. Uh, so once again, uh, you hit the nail right on the head. It's just that uh, the machinations for such a device uh, is normally over other people's uh, capacity to reason in their mind, and 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 there's nothing wrong with that. Um, no, I mean we live, we exist in a reality of space time. And it's very hard to see uh, into that. And, you know, it's uh, you know, I hate to bring you know, I hate to bring Keanu Reeves into this, you know, but the, it's it's a bit like the Matrix. Uh, we are right. unaware. We have not taken the red pill, most of us, and gone in and seen how deep the rabbit hole goes. Yes, um, <laughs> the clear, uh, the clear, illuminous uh, origins of not only that script. Uh, but in the direction of that film is quite obvious, uh, especially with your clear reference to Zion. Um, so I, I agree with you 100 percent. And if you look into who did it, uh, the funding that was backing it, you'll be able to go straight to the Kabbalist. Uh, you'll be able to just run straight into them and get a bloody nose. Right. So yes, uh, there's many things in there. Uh, that they understand through what you and I know to be biblical mechanics. 
uh, being able to uh, take the uh, letter of the law and calculate its value or its volume. Um, that is how the Kabbalists know what it is that they know. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Christians today are not taught such things anymore. Um, they're taught uh, how you can feel good and how you can make a million dollars, and if you uh, send this particular wicked shepherd $10, it will be uh, made manifest into $100 and all this sort of nonsense. <laughs> Give me your seed money, my friend. Oh, yes, uh, I assure you, uh, they are not qualified uh, to receive my seed. Uh, uh, there's no mistake about that. <laughs> if I could get 10,000 people to donate a $1,000 seed, my friend, I could have a million dollars and buy myself that Ferrari that I've always dreamed of, my friends. Yep, that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, um, the, the reality... Uh, contention that I got into was a background for thoughts that have been forming in my head recently on the on on the na on the nature of uh, sp uh, spiritual versus physical, and uh, there are so many arguments, you know, among the brethren about uh, passages in the Bible where one one side will say, "Well, this is sp spiritual." So you cannot take it literal, or the other side says this is literal, but you don't understand it. Now, what will what they will do is they will draw up doctrine and contentions from their interpretation. One would interpret it spiritually, one would interpret it uh, literally, physically, and they come up with two different doctrines that are completely different, and they argue over well this. This passage is talking about spiritual things rather than physical, literal reality things. And my latest thoughts and contentions are is that you really can't draw a line between the two and form two separate opinions, two separate contentions, because they're one and the same. The physical and the spiritual interlock and become one reality. And so my contention really loosely held is it's very hard to uh, interpret uh, a passage of Scripture and argue that, oh, this is just spiritual or, oh, this is just physical. And I have come to take things much more literally, even though there's depth and other things beyond, you know, there's other meanings beyond just the words in the passages. They mean even scientific things. You know, they mean, you know, quantum physics are in the Bible. But yes. I take the Bible more literally and if it if it if if you say, Well, this is just spiritual, I will say, Well, I don't see the difference between physical and spiritual. I believe that the spiritual world is physical. It's just different. Well Well, we already made that concrete proof here. Yeah. Um so we've anyhow. already you know, through example, been able to teach that what you just said is physically true. But let me go on to say this. If you ever run into a Bible teacher that says that a single verse does not mean more than one thing, they are lying to you or have been lied to. Or because every, every single verse in the Bible means three things. It means three things. It has three layers. Ah. And I can prove that to you beyond any shadow of a doubt. With any verse you might pr 
present to me. Would it have so, more than three or less than three ever? Some of them uh, have as many as five. Ah. And, uh, well, we can show this really quickly, and it, it's a fun example that I like to, uh, to give uh, people that have not stumbled onto biblical mechanics or be able to uh, understand um, higher uh, physics. Understand this, that in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Lord Jesus Christ prayed a very strange prayer. He said that those that were in the Father's hands could not be taken from him. And he also said, those that you have given to me, which are in my hands, cannot be taken from me. These things are true. Not only are they true as far as space-time goes, you understand, because once Johnny accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as his king, and accepted in his heart that God did indeed have a son. Amen. Once that happened, that prayer became true. Yet, at the very time, the moment in time, in space, that Christ prayed that, it was already true. Now, understand this. What he was also saying, which is only one layer beneath it, I will not go to the third layer, in the second layer, he was giving to you, he's making sure that you understood that in the Father's hand was primus numerous. And he was making sure that you understood that those that were going to be in the Son's hand during the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be primus resurrectorate. Uh, okay? Can you explain that term uh, down to layman's terms? Primus, primus Resur resurrectorate? Primus resurrectorate? Resurrexer it. Primus resurrexer it. That's right. If you go to the latter chapters of the Bible, Johnny, you will see what is plainly laid out for you as those who are called of the first resurrection. And uh, let me just grab my old Biblio DCSE and let me flip open there for you. All it's, right. It's really short. It's, it's not very long, so it shouldn't be too burdensome to your listeners. Um, but in this is the tale of the Primus Resurrectorate. And you need to understand that they are this thing by choice, ladies and gentlemen. If you're not the Technon Epigalia, when the emergency relocation event occurs, you'll have one choice, and this is it. Uh, starting with verse 4 in... Chapter 20. Of, then I saw thrones. Of what? Uh, what book? The book of Revelation. Ah. Then I saw thrones, and they that sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God. And those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their forehead or on their hand. And they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and Christ and will reign with him 
4,000 years. This is exactly who Jesus was talking about in the prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, those numbers that no one could take out of his hand. Because you see, through the primus numerus and primus resurrectorit, you have the two portions of one stick. And that what? stick is, is uh, put together, as we know from uh, the Biblio DCSE. This is through which and by which he rules with a rod of iron. Are we the primus resurrectorate, or, or are we the primus numerus? Uh, you're not the primus numerus. You are hoping that you're the technon epigalia, but ah. this is what happens, Johnny. Me- mechanically, this is what happens. If you are the technon epigalia, if you are the children of the promise, okay, it means that your structure has been altered. You've been infused with the Holy Spirit, and you do not have the capacity to rebel against the Lord's will. Okay? So when the event happens, you will become the woman. And you will be taken to a place that's prepared for you. But if you are the stint of once saved, always saved, if you're in the midst of your rebellion, let's say that uh, – you know, there's many people, sadly enough, today that believe they can lie, cheat, steal, and still go to heaven. Okay? Those will not, they will not be a part of the emergency relocation event. They won't be. And the Bible loudly proclaims, and if you'd like to read more about them, read Isaiah 55. That's that's who that's dedicated to. So Once all these Christians uh, that thought they could run around and do whatever they wanted to do, um, once this event happens, they will know in their heart just like everybody else. Uh, That's why, like I stated earlier, uh, Isaiah chapter 24 and and, uh, the sixth seal tells you plainly that everybody knows what has happened. That happened supernaturally. Um, They will realize that in their rebellion… They've been given a choice. That's why it says earlier in Revelation um, that their number has been counted. That number is known. And uh, unfortunately, uh, they will go before the beast, and it is there they will present their testimony and the law. And they will, of course, lose their heads, even as chapter Revelation just told you exactly who they were. Now… You and I think in our minds, Johnny, that's a bad thing, but it's not. However, uh, they cannot become the bride because as you just heard the Lord Jesus Christ himself say, that somebody has to administer the planet during his thousand-year reign. You're going to have kings. You're going to have governors, you know, that kind of stuff, okay? Primus resurrectorate must do that thing. Unfortunately, that means that… Uh, they don't get to be with the king all the time because somebody's going to have to be, uh, you know, um, in Jamaica. Uh, there's going to be a prince over that. There's going to be a prince over Russia. You understand they're not going to be able to be with the king all the time, and and that's a very very. Well, it is an honored position, but you need to understand that uh, it is only the bride that is allowed to to do nothing. They don't they don't have a job, Johnny. Uh, they don't. They don't have any administra- 
administrative uh, responsibilities. They're just with the king, and they get to enjoy his presence 24-7. And uh, that's just the way it is. And everybody needs to come to grips with this. Now, I'm just uh, not talking about those that are once saved, always saved. There's also people on the other side of the aisle. Uh, you, Matt, I must tell you, though, that I am one of those people you're talking about. So uh, I guess they're the primus numerous. They have to reign over somebody. <laughs> well, <laughs> the primus. <laughs> What's up? What's up? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's one thing uh, between me and Matt. Uh, I am one of those once saved, always saved, Baptist type, uh, sonship adoption uh, guys. So uh, I guess uh, we have to just uh, not let these things divide us, you know. And well, uh, I love Matthew dearly. He is one of my favorite people in the whole world. And well, uh, I, my, my, uh, my contentions on all of that uh, are just, I guess they're what they are. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, but anyway, they must have to reign over somebody. Maybe the, they're, you know, somebody, people that have got in, as the Bible says, by the skin of their teeth. Ah, by the skin of their teeth. Yes, that is a direct reference to the Primus Resurrection. That's that's direct reference to them. But oh, um, to them, not the Primus. Who are they reigning over, though? I mean, there's got to well, be citizens that they're reigning over who are that's right. definitely there. They've made it there somehow. I guess that's, in Christ, by the blood of Christ, the power of the blood is in, so incredibly powerful. That yes. It, and I don't know. Well, I don't know I, when this. This is where my theology goes into the unknown, and I don't have real opinions about that stuff. But who are they reigning over? Have you thought about that? Well, well, let's 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 take a let's take a pause right here. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times when when I say once saved, always saved, people think I'm talking about something else. What what I'm talking about is. Um, if you actually think that you know, and you premeditate to lie in your mind, and you do that, or uh, you're a shoplifter, okay? If if your pastor's telling you that you can be a shoplifter and enter the kingdom of heaven, he's lying to you, okay? He's lying to you. So um, I know that 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 this is a matter of contention, but I was talking about something else altogether different. Ah. Now, uh, you um, know, it, you know, people like me will tell you that uh, that the power of the blood of Christ is, you know, uh, so powerful. Uh, the early church fathers believed that it could reach even down into hell. And uh, I'm not a universalist by any means, but uh, I'm definitely one of those uh, people that believes that the blood of Christ is so powerful, once you have acknowledged that he is God, the Son of God, that he died for your sins, and uh, that he rose from the dead, once you really believe that, any struggles you have in the flesh are not enough to take you out of his hands. But if you are hell-bent on being a bad guy, and you really don't love Jesus, you don't go deeper into him every day, that's a little different. That's somebody who really probably doesn't really believe that Jesus is God. That, well, 
This is true. Now, now let me not pick on everybody because on the other side of the aisle, that's why the Bible clearly states the law and the testimony. Okay, so uh, these type of people have the testimony, but on the other side of the fence, we have uh, well, I guess my best uh, thing that I could uh, use to translate that would be the Orthodox Jews. Uh, we call them the Haredim. Um, there are many in the uh, uh, what some people call the Hebrew Roots Movement that are the same way, that uh, they have the law. Um, but you need to understand that they don't have the testimony. So also you need to understand that there is going to be many, many, many probably of the Haredim that are also, uh, once this event takes place, unfortunately they will become a member of the Primus Resurrectorate. So it, it's, 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 it's two things. Uh, one on both sides of the aisle, and, and you just want to make sure. Now, in my experience, let me tell everybody this. Uh, there's also a lot of consternation over what is called sanctification. Now, it is in my experience that once you have that event that Johnny was referring to there, once you get saved, that it normally takes about 730 days for you to overcome uh, your addictions or your uh, rebellions that you commit in your flesh. Okay, so um, if an adult, a woman, uh, she accepts the Lord Jesus Christ and she takes hold of both the law and the testimony, well, you have to work the kinks out. And usually that takes about two years, so she'll still uh, catch herself lying and she won't mean to. You know, she'll, uh, her boss will come up to her and say, hey, did you do this? And, and, and she'll tell white lie. And say, no, no, I didn't, when she really did. Um, but after about 730 days, usually, at least that's my experience, uh, that you're able to overcome those things. And, and that's what sanctification means. You're able to overcome those urges to be rebellious uh, toward the will of God. Now, uh, you know, it's – the will of God is many things uh, that cannot be put into the law. You know, take for example, Johnny um, – if I have an elderly next-door neighbor, and, and she uh, is a widow, and she cannot take her trash can out to the curb, she can't do it. The law clearly states through the mechanism that is the love of the law that I go help her. I go help her. So there's so many dynamics that the only way that you can truly come to grips with the will of the living God… Is to come to grips with both the law and the testimony, and that is accomplished through the Holy Spirit. And a lot of people call that sanctification. But uh, just to make sure that everybody doesn't think that I'm just picking on the once saved, always saved people. I was just <laughs> picking on Johnny, picking on Johnny. You know, with Johnny, I would say it took something on the order of 7,500 days. Oh, <laughs> what? <I see. laughs> Well, you know, uh, it's about Johnny, 25 years, buddy. Amen, amen. Well, th that's good, and I would expect that. Now, you need to understand what I just said. Johnny doesn't understand in the Bible there's injected into it by design ratios. So, uh, anyone who knows and is familiar with biblical mechanics, when I said 730, everyone should have immediately known that that was any duration of distance. Because space and time is distance. It was a number that was divisible into two groupings of two. So when I said 730, that could be days as you know it. 
It could also be weeks. It could even be unto decades. So I assure Johnny of this. Maybe what he just laughed about is a whole lot more closer than the truth that he understands. And this is the way God is able to do these things with us that, that we don't know what to say. But it is the will of the living God that speaks for us in times like these. So, uh, Johnny, I believe you. Maybe it took you 730 hours. <laughs> yeah, you know, one thing I, I will tell you just by sheer experience that when I was uh, led through the sinner's prayer in the April morning of 1985 in a snake bite, holy roller Pentecostal church with people rolling around on the floor and twitching and foaming at the mouth. I'm going to tell you, as soon as I said that prayer and stood up, my eyes were opened. Something very deep and dramatic and real happened to me. I saw the world for what it was. I saw sin. I saw the spiritual world. My eyes were opened, literally opened. And for 25 years, I uh, kept after Jesus. I I listened to gospel radio uh, shows and sermons all day, all night. But I I would stumble. I would stumble. I would uh, I would fall into sin for a few days, and then be on my knees or panting, and uh, and uh, you know convicted, and 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 uh, asking Jesus for His mercy because Jesus is rich in mercy, and uh, I you know I just I really believe that if you had a salvation experience, just because you have had struggles with your flesh. I don't believe that Jesus will let you go. I, I believe that he that comes unto me, I will in no wise cast out. I believe that's my theology anyway. Uh, for right for what it's for what it is. That's uh, right. Uh, and I also well, believe, you know, and, and Paul said in uh, you know Philippians one six, he said, "He that began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ." Right. Well. That's why you just made reference to that being 1985. You need to understand that what you were really talking about was 13 and a half. Okay? That's what you was really talking about. So hmm. what you just said make pa- makes perfect absolute sense from there even unto here. And like I said, let me say it one more time. 730. Because from 1985 to 2012 is 27. When you find the days in the midst thereof, that is divisible by 730, okay, 13 and a half times. So really what that, really what that is, if you can understand space and time, Johnny just said that from then until now, well, he just said 730. Ah. What's up? What's up? All right. <laughs> oh man, that's some deep stuff. You know these um, these uh, uh, biblical mechanics, spiritual mechanics. Um, this is Matthew Miller's mind. This is his world. This is what he does, and uh, the listener can learn a, a lot from Matthew Miller. Uh, this is what he does. This is all he does, except for uh, he is about the Great Commission, preaching the the word. And he is uh, he he uh, he gives blankets to people that are cold, and he feeds people that are hungry, and he visits people that are sick and in prison. Because Jesus said that, you know, Jesus, said, if you want to know the will of God, Jesus said, I was I was hungry and you didn't feed me. 
I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. I was freezing and you didn't give me a blanket. And they said, when have we done these things to you? He goes, whenever you've done it to the least of these brethren, you've done it to me. So that is our commission, aside from spreading the gospel, is to minister to the poor, minister to the sick, minister to the people who are empty and need Jesus to fill them up. Well, that's right. Uh, We have a job description. We really do. You have a job. Once you become a Christian, you actually uh, have a job description. Amen. You have a job. You become the handmaid of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you do. By extrapolation, you become Pharaoh's daughter even unto Moses. Don't you understand that? You have a job description to do what is right no matter where you're at or what situation you're in. It's your job to do the work of his hands. Nothing else. You've got no business doing anything else but doing the work of his hands. That's what you were designed to do even from the Garden of Eden. That's what you were made to do. You were made to take dominion and take care. You know, a lot of people have in their mind now that, oh, no, man, I, I, that sounds boring and cold and, and uh, kind of doesn't sound like something I want to do. Let me tell you guys, I've been into it for a long time, and I'm going to tell you what, this is not boring, and it's not empty, and it's not unfulfilling, and it's the greatest thing in the world to be a slave of Jesus and do his will. It's the greatest place to be. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're in a room full of cocaine and Mexican girls. You think that's the greatest? No. Being a slave of Jesus and doing his will, being about his business, that is the best place you can be in your heart. It is so good. It feels so good. Am I lying to you? Oh, no. You you have spoken the truth in ways that... uh, is a blessing even to me. Uh, that's uh, Amen. You know, I'd like to um I'd like to get into um Isaiah twenty four. Uh sure. I must say to you uh What's up? Oh, yeah. oh it's so nice to be here with you, Matthew. Oh Yes. We're going to get into Isaiah 24 because uh, this is my favorite subject that Matthew covers. He's definitely an expert, and he will blow your mind as we go through Isaiah 24. So uh, we're going to try to spend an hour in it. Uh, That's about all Johnny's voice is good for, a total of two hours. And I start sounding like a horse. So uh, we will definitely go through this, try to make it sort of concise. But if we go deep and get off into a rabbit hole... Oh, well, it's just going to be another iron show. <laughs> All right, let's start. That. <laughs> let's start it with Isaiah 24, 1. Behold, the Lord maketh the earth empty, and maketh it waste, and turneth it upside down, and scattereth it abroad, the inhabitants thereof. Matthew. That's right, he does. 
Now, understand this. From the very inception of this chapter, you're going to have to take note that, uh, well, some translations say is lays waste. Okay, and he's translating something to you very important right there. That word actually means to empty, to empty. And you need to understand that in the Bible, that's only nine times, nine times. And it's in one of everybody's most favorite chapters, of course. Let me read, if I can, off the top of my little bitty brain. Let's see here. Jeremiah 51 verse 2 reads as such. I will dispatch foreigners to Babylon that they may winnow her and may desolate her land. For on every side they will be opposed to her on the day of her calamity. So take note that this word means to empty. And that's why whenever you get around to reading the book of Nahum… Uh, and uh, Nehemiah, most explicitly, because Nehemiah, we don't have any terrigums for because, uh, well, therein is Aramaic. So what you just said, he, he, he has given you keys to other scriptures, uh, to Jeremiah uh, chapter 19 uh, by extrapolation, Hosea chapter 1 is under the same exact circumstances, under the same exact circumstances. That's why earlier in chapter 19 of the book of Isaiah, it gives you that same word. So you can realize that he is translating to you something that is not altogether in the law. It's not in the law. This is only in the prophets. And then by doing so, what he's done through machinations, this is how the rabbis know that we're talking about what is to come. Right. What a lot of people will say that the revelations, all revelations is, is a recapitulation of all the prophecies in the Old Testament. And uh, I would answer that, well, yeah, so what? They're all future. <laughs> right. Uh, well – they're all isochronal. Most of them are fu- – well, some of them are future. I must say that if you read the book of Revelation right at the beginning, the angel says, I will show you things that were, that are, and that are to come. So That's we have right. – these prophecies are past, present, and future. Uh, well, I, I don't know if that has any value, me injecting that, but anyway, go ahead. Well, what you just said that really everything is isochronal eschatology. That's what you just said. That's what John said. Uh, Time-related end times uh, research is how you'd say that in layman's terms? It it means that the Mayans are right, that everything comes around, goes around. Time uh, is cyclical, just like the Lord your God told you, Johnny, many times. Uh, Even in the book of Ecclesiastes, he tells you that the Lord chases after what has been. Okay? What is to come is what has been. He, yes. he, he said this more than one time. Nothing yeah. new under the sun. That which has been will be. That's right. That's why all prophecy is isochronal. Time-related, uh, time-centered, time-based. Is that what you, how you define it that repeats. word? Repeats. Oh, it cycling. Repeats. Cycling and repeating. Okay. Yes. Yep. Uh, let's so, go. No, go ahead. No, that's all right, Johnny. Uh, uh, where do you want to go? I, we're just going to go right down Isaiah.